everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Tales from the Shed. My name is Richard. Thank you for joining me this week. And no, we're not in the shed. I'm actually in my house because it's bloody cold outside. Today's episode is all going to be about Spider-Man 2 because we just rolled credits. Yep, Spider-Man 2 is done, dusted. It's in the bag. Another game completed for this year. So in this episode, there will be spoilers, but I will tell you when. Grab yourself a nice drink. Sit back, relax, and let's discuss my outings in New York City with Spider-Man 2. For those who are new to the show, um, how this will work is I will, as I said in the intro, I will let you know when spoilers come about and when we discuss those spoilers. But for the time being, the first part of the show should just be about the technical, the, the playing on the PS5, those kind of things. There shouldn't be anything fingers crossed, spoiler related to the game itself or the story. The second half of the episode will be all around the story and kind of my thoughts and feelings behind that, the pacing and everything else that goes with it. So I'm going to try and do my best to explain it in the best way I can. Please be aware that I do have some bullet points, but most of this is a free-handed, off-the-cuff podcast. I've just wrapped up literally like last night as of recording. So this is very fresh in my head to kind of go over my experience with Spider-Man 2. So without further ado, I'm going to play a little bit of intro music uh, to the game and let's get discussing. So yeah, it's all done and dusted. Um, I realized that actually I've just completed this off the bounce of Mars Morales. Uh, my One of my previous episodes was all about Mars Morales, and that's done and dusted. Um, and I did talk about a preview of Spider-Man, so I may cover some ground that I've already covered. Um, just some tidbits out of the way. This was played on PS5. This is a PS5 exclusive for the time being. I don't know if it's a timed exclusive, but going on the pattern of behavior of Sony... I would like to think because Spider-Man Remastered at, or Spider-Man, the first one, if you like, and Miles Morales both made their ways to Steam. I suspect that this would be hitting Steam stores in the near future, uh, probably a year after it was released on PS5. So probably next summer, beginning of fall next year. Um, I played for about 30 hours. Uh, my percentage completion is about 73%. Uh, for those who are wondering, I don't normally or tend to complete games 100%. I never really get any satisfaction out of that. I've struggled this year to complete games anyway, um, and it is always quite a nice feeling when I see the credit scene. Um, I then did Google to see if there was anything 100% reward-wise, and I'm quite content with actually getting to the point where 30 hours in, 73% done, Actually, I've got a lot of the the collectibles, the suits and bits and pieces. I've got a good understanding of what I want to talk about in this show. There is one side quest that I haven't really explored, and I may do a little bit of an exploration after the fact, um, but I'll go into that in a little bit, you know, a little bit of detail a little bit later. But 
yeah, the PS5. And I think this is the first game that I really got to experience the PS5 at its best, if that makes sense. Um, I've had a PS5 now for the best part of this year. Um, and most of the games, if not all the games I've got, were originally released on PS4. This is the first PS5 exclusive that I own. I do own Star Wars as well, but that's on PC and that runs terribly on PC. Um, I've got uh, Demon Souls installed, but this was the first game that I actually sat down and went, right, start to finish, time to play. And I got to see some of the technical wizardry that Sony have employed, employed have built into this, this, this system, along with the fact of what Insomniac can do. They are flexing right now. They are showing everybody why and how they are one of the greatest developers, one of the greatest AAA developers out there, making an absolute blockbuster hit. Um, I covered in the previous episode round the swinging mechanics and bits and pieces, and I was only probably a couple hours in, and that still stands the the way i talked about it in the first game was i, I high praise the way it makes you feel like spider-man um and it, this is that and more everything from miles and peter they have their own personalities when swinging you know you you can really see the love care and attention into the smaller details the way the characters move when they're swinging through the air you know the different tricks that you can do i.e when you're swinging the speed that you can get is unbelievable i believe there's a trophy from going from one side of the map the bottom to the top uh, the map is bigger and we'll come to that whether that's a good thing shortly but essentially you do have a bigger playground to play with I will say this before we gush too much, it is more of the same, and I don't think that's a bad thing, unlike in previous Spider-Mans, where you had the Assassin's Creed-style uh, towers to unlock the map. The map, from the word go, is open. You have your playground, and what then you have to do to open up different challenges is you are constantly looking around the map to see actually what there is. So in the beginning, there's you are trying to go after the Sandman and his memories, and there's other quests that you can find and hidden tech uh, caches around the map, and things will ping, will big notifications through the world. But what it does do is it employs you to explore more. It allows you to really experience what they're trying to build as a world instead of constantly looking at your map, then back, you know, and that's quite nice. The idea that the world is open from the start, I think is a really cool thing. Um, but I touched upon it uh, a few minutes ago. The The second island, if you like, or the second part, I think it's, um, I think that represents Queens. I might be wrong. Uh, or Brooklyn. It, it represents the other part of New York feels a little bit strange a little bit like it's there because they wanted to bring in a bigger map uh, a denser area um the bit that doesn't ever get tired is f using your glide suit to fly across the river but at the same time it's a bit like there doesn't seem to be a lot or there wasn't a lot that happens on this side of the islands um while they've both sides of the islands have their fair share of collectibles and experiences it just feels like that is just there and I don't know if that's what they intended, um, but for me, that was just a little bit of a disappointment, but, you know, uh, with regards to the map. But the map is densely populated. It looks gorgeous. They really have spent the time 
things like Times Square is incredible. You've got the Inven uh, Avengers Tower there again. The Sanctum Sanctorium is is in in the game. So they are either nodding to the other Marvel characters or future games will happen in this universe. I believe they've got their own universe where the games take place. And I believe it is Earth... 1048 um i will check on wikipedia um but i believe it is that i think that's where the kind of the cross branch of spider-verse comes in um earth 1048 um and i'd be interested to see if the wolverine game that's coming out by insomniac games is going to be in the same universe i uh, don't know um but it will be interesting to see how they capture this i have just looked on wikipedia and can confirm that is that. And there are also some books and some comics based around this. So I'm going to give them a look and maybe report back to see what they're like as a material to further expand the games, if you, if you see what I mean. But yeah, the traversal is some of the best you're going to find around this map. The map is great because it doesn't follow that same trope, as I said, of going to a tower and unlocking this. I like the idea that the map is open. But what really helps this is... As I said, the traversal, the swinging, the gliding, and the speeds that you can get from A to B to C, and the wind tunnels that you can capture on the way, and it really does kind of make this a very free and open game, and I found myself just swinging from place to place, grinning from ear to ear with how good this made me feel, but as I said, the way that each character is developed in their own mannerisms of swinging really does make it feel like when you're playing either Spider-Man or Miles Morales' Spider-Man. I have seen some criticism online of the gliding, and they say that it takes away from that traversal, but I disagree. I think they've expanded it in the right places, and they've made it so that... Um, you've got a different way of getting around. You can build up speed and you can be as fast as you like uh, swinging the web, but it's great just for a few minutes just to take in the sights and, and the surroundings while gliding. Uh, the sound design in this game is 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 great and, um, and that sound design everywhere, you know, the city just feels like it's moving, breathing from the combat design in the sense of the sounds when you're punching. Everything feels weighty, but everything feels like it's been done with, with a purpose in, in my eyes. Um, exploring the open world, it, you will find a plethora of challenges, things to do. And as you progress through the story, different things uh, unlock. As you get to those story points, then those challenges uh, come available to you. Um, if you've played the first Spider-Man um, of this new franchise, and if you've played Mars Morales, it's very much the same thing as before. You are you gonna know what you're getting into. You'll know what you are experiencing from those previous games, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think actually that warrants a you know a negative stain on this game because actually the stuff that they did in the first game was good. This just feels a bit more meaningful. It has you know from certain story beats, then certain things happen. And actually, that's quite cool. Um, I can't go into too much because essentially I can't spoil story yet. However, there was one thing that I did find quite frustrating. Uh, one of the collectible items um, as you go through the open world and you're pinging with the R3 button, your spidey sense to find out what's around you. Um, instead of just constantly looking at the map, you find yourself repeatedly pinging for these spider bots. Uh, though it does lead, by looks of thing, lead on to something else, and I'm not quite sure where that will leave things. Um, maybe some DLC. 
but the spider bots themselves are quite a frustrating find. There's 42 hidden about across the city. And for the last like five or six, I did have to look to a guide. Um, I was hunting high and low and everywhere. And I just found this a little bit frustrating. It reminded me of the pigeons in Grand Theft Auto 4, where you had to shoot the pigeons. And it's almost like that's one of the reasons why I never bother with 100%. I get to the point where I'm like, yeah, you know what, I'm done. But through this, because the traversal was so much fun, I actually wanted to explore and I wanted to see what I would get at the end of at the end of this this chain of events. Uh, it's the same with the Sandman stuff that you get to do in the beginning. Um, you know, I didn't go straight into the main story. I decided to go off the beaten track and do some of the side quests. And it was quite a nice way to kind of get used to the mechanics, the combat, and also, the tr you know, the traversal. But I wanted to explore this game. I felt this game wanted me to explore and that was quite a nice feeling instead of looking at the map going oh I've got to do another tower I've got to do this I've got to do that because open world games can become quite cumbersome they can become quite full-on and time-consuming you know for me a game to not outstay its welcome is a wonderful thing but also a game that doesn't take the piss of my time you know it's putting stuff in an open world that I'm going to do because I choose to do and because it's fun. A lot of the later Assassin's Creed titles, um, especially Valhalla, I own Valhalla, but I've got about an hour or, or maybe I got about five hours in and you could see where this was going. You know, some of the other Assassin's Creeds are great as an open world game, but they're so big and so cumbersome and there's so much content, but a lot of that content is recycled content and it, really frustrates me that some developers don't respect the time that we have but i feel like with this offering insomniac does um, though i've seen complaints on online of 100 taking 20 25 hours i'm at 73 percent, and it's a 30 hour experience and actually do you know what i'm really really glad of that because it gave me a chance to sit down play this game experience it on the ps5 and actually yeah i think that was well worth it so, yeah, there's kind of just a bit of ramblings. There was something else, actually, that really did kind of take my breath away, jaw drop, whatever, however you want to explain it. When you get so far into unlocking the items in in the, the subsections of the map, um, you unlock fast travel. So there is a fast travel system, which is great. And what you find is that once you pinpoint a section on a map, you can hold X to... Um, no, hold square, I think it is. Hold square to fast travel to that section. And then your cursor moves slightly. And I hadn't really experienced this in, in any other game. Um, but what I got to experience was like no loading time. It fades to black for a split second. And then it loads in in real time. Um, you sort of flying or swinging into the spot that you fast travel to. And I hadn't actually experienced that. And another experience of the PS5's capability is in the Sandman fight. And for this, I, I don't know if there was stuff actually already out online, but I'm going to say spoiler for the Sandman fight for this section, um, purely on the basis that I don't want to get people, I don't want people annoyed. However, I think this was it was out online somewhere and there's videos of it as well. Essentially, during this fight, you are flung halfway across the map in real time, in real engine. Like, this happens. You go for a building, you smash through this building, you come out the other side, and then you are told to fly back. You know, 
like I said at the beginning, Insomniac are flexing on this at this point. They're basically saying, look at the stuff that we can do, and this is the proof that we can do it. And it's quite an incredible thing to watch. And these are the bits that really made me enjoy the game. There was a, a sense of immersion, but a sense of, like, I feel like I'm Spider-Man. And I haven't had that kind of feeling in a game since anthem anthem gave you that experience of flying this this javelin it was the closest thing you're going to find that's going to make you feel like iron man and that's one of the big appreciations that i always had for anthem yes the game was uh, a, a ridiculous cash cow and you know why they were doing it at the time but what they got right in that game is what insomniac does in this game they want you to be spider-man they want you to experience this world as spider-man and they give you the tools to experience that and i i think that's one of the biggest credibilities to this developer that actually they're setting out to make a Spider-Man game, so they want you to be Spider-Man, and that's really cool. And I think they are some of the the, the best parts of this game is is the traversal through the worlds um, and those those epic uh, moments where you get flung across the map or all that kind of stuff. I will kind of wrap this section up with saying that on the PS5, I put it in performance mode. I was playing this on a 1440p, um, 144 hertz monitor, but this was capped at 60 fps, um, and I didn't really see any stuttering. Um, I had no glitches or problems until I actually finished the game. There was a weird cube glitch, so I changed into the menu. Uh, sorry, I went into the menu to change my suit and sort of dashed through the suits really quickly. And when I reloaded it, or when I came back to the map, my, Peter Parker was a cube. It was a hilarious cube that you could swing around and fight things, and it was quite funny for a while. And I just reset the game and, and booted back up. Um, I'd have been very upset if my save had been corrupt but um essentially that was the only glitch that i found there was no sound bugs there was no like crashes there was nothing this game was smooth from start to finish 30 hours and it didn't skip a beat uh which was incredible and most of the time i put the ps5 into rest mode so i'd put the ps5 into rest mode i'd boot it back up crack on with where i am and that really reminded me of like port portable gaming it was quite nice to be able to play like a this open world game 30 hours and be able to put it down and come straight back to it unlike of yesteryear where you are hoping for a save point or something like that so yeah that's kind of me just rambling about the game i don't really know how to do these sections let me know if it works for you you know where i just talk for about 20 minutes about my experience with the game i'm not a reviewer i'm just someone with a microphone and i kind of just like talking about games so i'd love to know if these sort of sections work if they don't however in a minute we're going to be talking spoilers we're going to be talking about the story and we're going to go into as much detail as i can remember from the story and going over some of the the pacing and all that kind of stuff and i got some things to say about the story so hopefully you'll stick around for that if not there'll be a timestamp in the uh the written description where you'll be able to see where the spoilers start and where they end so you can pick me back up after the story section all right let's talk spider-man story Welcome to the section where I get to kind of just release everything and just talk about the story. Um, I don't kind of know where to start, really, with this. I'm just going to 
talk and see what happens. I'll just kick my desk. So, Spider-Man 2 happens 10 months after the events of Miles Morales. Oh, before I go on, I will also be talking about Miles Morales and the first Spider-Man, so there are going to be spoilers for the entirety of the series, okay? Uh, so, you know, that's just kind of how it works. Um, it's obviously, uh, yeah, so 10 months after... Um, and I remember seeing, I can't remember if it was the end of the first game, um, because it, I completed the first game earlier this year. Um, and essentially in that game, you see, you find out that Harry's not actually gone off to Europe. You find out that he's actually been content, kept in some containment for a cure. And I can't remember if they tell you what illness Harry's got, but at the same time, um, this is where the game kind of centers around it's around peter's friendship with harry uh and their kind of like love for each other uh the building of your relationship with mj you trying to tutor miles and i think it's like watching peter not let go of that especially the tutoring of miles you you have to remember like in miles morales peter, uh, peter clears off to go to europe um on holiday with mj and miles is left to look after the city uh, when or it's all going to hell because of the underground and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the game, the the premise itself. And I I want to say this before I get into too much nitty gritty. I felt like the story was good, however, it felt really janked in places. I think the game happens over three acts. Um, and there was some hard-hitting moments. There really was these moments that made me go, whoa. Um, for example, one moment, which we'll get to, um, happened, and I uh, I had to pause it because I didn't want my son to, to be spoiled at that point because he, he hasn't played Mars Morales. Um, and I was like, I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, and throughout the beginning of the game, I kept thinking, well, where's the Venom suit coming in? When are we going to start seeing? And they introduce this kind of stuff nice and slowly. And they, they give you that kind of premise of it's building to this point. And it's a very superhero thing. So the game starts out with you fighting Sandman. And Sandman's having a bad day. And he talks about these people that are after him that are trying to get him. Um, and that kind of gives you the basis of there's someone else out there. Um, at this point, you're not really even sure how Venom plays a part of this game. Obviously, from the, the artwork and the pre-release stuff, there was all the, the stuff about Venom. And it's almost um, essentially like this first part is is laying the groundwork for a group called The Hunters, who is led by a chap called Craven or Kravenoff, Kravenoff. Um, and yeah, the idea of him is he wants to hunt people, villains, who have decided that they are the world's best villains, if you like, and he wants to test them and he wants to be murdered. You later found out, find out why he wants to be murdered um, or he wants to choose the point of his death. I don't know how you quite describe that, really, but that comes later in the game. But all we know at this point is there are a group of, you know, menaces out there. Um, the first kind of real scene that you get to see with these guys is there's a prison transfer of two prisoners from the raft. 
And like everything, it all goes wrong. Uh, you know, it's typical superhero fashion. This is Martin Lee from the first game, Mr. Negative, who um, his impact in that story was he was the main, or one of the main protagonists, uh, one of the main bad guys, I should say, not protagonists. And he makes uh, quite a big return here. Um, and I believe the other prisoner was Scorpion. Um, and essentially, you know, the hunters turn up and they basically cause problems and the first kind of act you're dealing with miles is kind of um sort of trying to hold himself back from trying to kill mr negative or martin lee in the first game unfortunately mr negative killed miles's dad uh, so that was kind of like the turning point in miles's story if you like at this point, you know, you come into contact with Mr. Negative and Miles' powers start changing slightly. So he's got Venom Punch from the first one, or, you know, like he's he's got like Orange Electric and then he gets Blue Electric. So he kind of gets the, the shock and electric powers and the different uh, bits and pieces. I know what I didn't talk about in the first section is about all the upgrades and we'll, we'll do that in a little while once we've discussed the story, actually. Um... Yeah, so that kind of all goes a bit haywire and the hunters get them and they lock them up. Um, and you find out a little bit later, kind of skipping ahead here, that actually he's challenging them to the fight to the death. Um, and the reason I'm... I sound really, like, kind of held back in this because I feel like Craven is this weird third wheel. Like, we needed a reason to introduce venom into the game and i really do feel like actually the weakest part of the story is craven's part craven doesn't even see the final act uh he's not the final boss he perishes about two-thirds of the way through that's like the end of act two is the demise of craven and he he dies at the hands of venom but not spidey venom different venom and yeah it's almost a bit like well yeah sorry i went on a tangent i'll come i'll go over a bit more of that in a little while circling back after all a load of stuff has played out there's a knock at the door you wonder who the hell that is and it's harry and all of a sudden harry's walking he's biking and you go to school rekindle um a moment of your younger years where you had a presentation and you left your usb in your locker but Harry is essentially cured of this incurable disease. And at this point, you don't quite know how it's happened or what. The only kind of clue that you've got from previous games or the beginning of this game is you see a load of black tentacles on Harry and you can kind of guess where that's going. They've essentially used the symbiote as a way to cure Harry. Um, and at one point during the story, Harry then realizes the power he's got i mean there's a there's a mission where you're going around the fairground and harry uses the sledgehammer and busts the bell and he's like i'm not sure what's going on here and then all of a sudden he the suit takes over and he's helping spider-man save the day um not realizing what could happen with this suit um and essentially that's like like i said the beginning part is of you rekindling that friendship you um, 
kind of like having the setting set played out to you with Craven and Harry uh, finding out that he's actually now got superpowers. The idea is Harry wants to heal the world. He has his vision to help people through science and developing different cures and through plants and like green uh, effects. And essentially that's put together because of Emily, his mum's vision, and then Aunt May's vision of helping people. So it's going to be a collaborative effort between Peter and Harry. This job that Peter can't hold down, he's got this chance to work with Harry and become make the world a better place. Heal the world become a bit of a, a topic of, of later when we're in the third act. Um, and then the second act sees... Um, a moment that made me gasp. I kind of alluded to it earlier, and as I've already said, this is spoilers. We are in spoiler territory now. Um, Peter Parker gets stabbed, and I wasn't expecting it. I did not see it coming. And he's Spider-Man's injured. He's injured hard, and Craven has essentially killed him. Craven is still after the other villains, but he's now seen the power of of Venom, and he sees this as his final hunt. And it kind of switches from Craven chasing like Scorpion and um, and others to well, at this point Scorpion's dead, uh, the Vulture's dead. He actually goes and wants to chase after Venom, but at the point when you're in this zoo fighting Craven's goons, you come up against Craven, you do get stabbed, and this is where the Venom suit then transfers from Harry to Peter and it heals Peter Peter's alive and then you unlock your Venom powers so you go through a good chunk of the story if you like the first act with just the normal spider powers and then when you go into the menu you can see that there's this other line that you can't unlock and then you unlock the the, the Venom suit or the black suit and over the course of the second act this starts taking over Peter's mind it starts taking over Peter's well-being infiltrating Peter's like subconscious and burying itself in to make Peter a uh, essentially a bad guy um Craven the fights with Craven it's almost like your Craven can smell or sense that there is more to this but for some reason with Peter you can't let that out because uh, I remember going through the story when Peter was in the Venom suit and thinking well when are we going to see Venom in its full entirety um and it kind of eats away at Peter. And throughout this second act, you're also chasing after Dr. Connors. Dr. Connors, you find out, is the one that essentially made this cure for Harry. But then you also find out that he's the lizard. Um, and you have to have a good old fight with the lizard. Um, and the idea is that you steal Dr. Connors' antidote from Craven. You want to heal Dr. Connors to then be able to help you get the suit off you and then back on Harry. But by the time we start getting around to that section of it, Peter's mind is already start being taken over by the symbiote. The symbiote is burying itself deep and Peter starts acting strange, starts talking weird, starts being aggressive. Um, and essentially starts to change there is a moment where you're you switch as miles and you can't play as peter because peter's losing his mind slowly because of this suit and he's peter's saying things like you know i should have done everything on you know i can do everything on my own 
is like, I don't need anyone else. I'm more powerful than everybody else. I'm the hero, this, that, and the other. There's a confrontation with Peter and Harry. And you can see that actually the suit itself is taking over Peter's mind. Um, and there's a there's a moment where you play as MJ because MJ thinks she can talk get through to Peter. Um and you're you're running through a tunnel away and yeah, essentially it's it's this you can start seeing the transition from this moment of the Spider-Man that is the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man to someone who isn't the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Um and yeah, you come to the point where you start fighting it and Peter rips the symbiote off um, and he puts it in a jar. I'm trying to remember exactly how he got, got rid of it now, but I think he, he rips it off, puts it in this jar and essentially comes to the conclusion that they, they need to destroy it. Um, however, Harry sees different and Harry gets the suit and it chooses him and he's away, he's, he's off. And uh, this is where we get to see Venom at full Venom uh, with the, the the mouth and everything else like that. It is an absolute, like, graphically unbelievable. But there are some tense moments in this story of where they really get the setting right. They really get that kind of premise of what Venom is um, and the, the scariness of, of this monster. Um, and as I alluded to, Craven's downfall comes at the hands of him fighting Venom. There's a point where Harry gets the, the suit on or the symbiote on him and you then take control of Harry. You get to use Venom for a while. I have to say that this part of the story was a little bit of a, uh, a bit of a meh moment. There wasn't anything really that Venom was doing that made me go, wow, this is cool. And yeah, Essentially, just for about 10 minutes, you take control of Harry, you fight Craven, um, and gruesomely, Venom eats his head. <laughs> like, like properly chews his head. It's, it's, it's quite grim. You don't see it, but you can see what they're alluding to. And then Peter comes in and sees that he's, or they find out that Craven's dead at the hands of Venom. Um, and you're kind of wondering what the next part is because now we're into the third act. We're into the third and final act. Peter's got some making up to do. He's got some apologizing to do. But ultimately, they've got to save the world. Um, Venom is after a meteorite. You start getting a bit of background to this whole thing. Dr. Connors explains that, that Oscorp found this meteorite that crash-landed into the Earth um, and this alien species was on this meteorite. Um and that's where the symbiote came from. You'd yet to see a scene where Dr. Connors is literally got his arm stuck by this uh, symbiote and they shoot his arm off and that's how he loses his arm. Um, you find out during this act that actually um, they haven't got rid of the symbiote completely out of Spider-Man and that'll come into play shortly. Um, but yeah, it's you versus Harry and then Harry gets a hold of the rock and starts spreading his symbiote germs around New York and it becomes quite a apocalyptic you know section of the game where these uh, symbiotes are taking over the residents of New York you've got these symbiote nests that you need to go after and attack and then you've got on top of all of that you've still got to try and save your friend and do everything else that's needed to do it does become a point where actually trying to do any side stuff at that point. I'm quite glad that I'd done a load of side quests earlier in my run. 
because it would have been nigh on impossible. I remember swinging around the city and you do get like have a lot of alerts, attacks and this, that and the other. You could do it, but it just, it's, it's not as free and open at that point because there's a lot more going on um, in the city. Um, and essentially you come to a point where you get your message to say, this is the final part. You know, once we go past this point, there's no, this is the point of no return. Um, and our Norman Osmond wants you to bring your son back. You want to bring your friend back, but essentially you're told by Dr. Connors that Harry's too far gone. He's been captured by the symbiote, if you like, and that's it. You got, one choice and one choice only, which is to essentially kill Harry. And in this section of the game, you then get what they call the anti-venom suits. Uh, Mr. Lee, uh, uh, Martin Lee, uh, along with Miles, goes into Peter's mind after a, a fight and essentially goes to save Peter because the symbiote is still buried deep inside him. And it becomes um, a, a rescue mission. And once you're out, Martin Lee loses his power. And essentially, you've got, like, negative Venom. And it becomes, like, the endgame powers of Venom, if you like. And you use these to fight Venom and all the monsters around and so on and so forth. And essentially, the story wraps up with you saving the day. But Harry, you save Harry. Miles brings him back to life after the, the final fight. But he's very poorly um, and you're left with essentially what's next. And the phone call right at the end and the end credits between Harry and somebody, not Harry, uh, Norman and somebody, is he asked for the G serum. Uh, for those who, uh, I think I've got my comic book stuff right, the G serum is essentially the serum to make the goblin. So whether they're going to make Harry the goblin in the next game, you do see Norman go groveling to Doc Ock after what he did in the first game, and Doc Ock is almost like, good, you know, you have to feel pain. You, of all people, need to, to know this. Um, so that happens, and then you're also introduced to Cindy, which, from doing a bit of Googling, is Silk, and could possibly be a side character, DLC later, possibly. Um, I've kind of probably not done the main story justice, but that's kind of a rundown of what happens of the stuff that I can remember. I need to make more notes in future. Um, but I wanted to, I'm going to go on to the side missions and stuff in a minute because there was one important sort of side mission that really does probably have a bearing of what could come out later. But the main story itself, um, I don't think is as good as the first game. I feel like the story pacing in this game felt a little bit off. Not rushed. I don't think it's fair to say it was a rushed story. But I feel like there was some some pacing issues um i love the moments that come out of nowhere so i love it when you know as much as uh, the the gob the gob dropping moments the jaw dropping moments i.e when peter gets stabbed um you know here i am trying to rattle my brain to how they're going to introduce venom into to the world but you know they do it in this sense and i didn't expect him to get killed you know it's spider-man or i didn't expect him to get into that that situation and it really caught me off guard the death of Craven caught me off guard, but I almost felt like Craven was a weird side angle so they could just have Peter get stabbed by him. And that's how I sort of felt. I felt a bit like, oh, well, 
you know, almost like who's the big bad guy of this game? Is it Venom or is it Craven? It was almost like they had two villains, but two really big characters. Craven, I think, is an, an unknown character in the the world of comics of Spider-Man. But at the same time, it just felt a little bit like, well, did we need him? And I don't know how you would rewrite it, but it is that kind of question of, was that part of the story necessary? You know, what was Craven's motive? You know, should we care that he's killing villains? You know, all of that kind of stuff really did kind of rattle me a little bit because I'm a bit like, well, I don't really know Craven's point. And it, that's how it felt. And then it kind of it felt like the stuff with Harry and all of those kind of things just felt a little bit disjointed as well. And I, that's just how I felt about the story. It's kind of simple as that, really. Um, you know, I'd love to know if you agree with me. Uh, there was a interesting side mission that I did, which was to do with the flame. And uh, this is where you're reintroduced to Yuri, the cop from the first game. And she is after, she's a vigilante um, who swings around with a hook. And you have this really cool fight with Yuri. Um, there is something I did miss from the story, actually, that I'll, I'll go into in a sec. Um, and the final mission of this sees you at a dumper yard where a train's on its way. And you find out that the flame actually wanted to derail the train because on this train, uh, weirdly, was another symbiote. And I got really confused because I thought this was the same one that you'd be transferring, but it's not. I don't think it is. I was like, where did this one come from? Because why is there two? And he says the things like carnage and things like that. And the um, opposite of Venom is, is carnage. So whether we're going to get carnage DLC or whether we're going to get, um, you know, the next game you'll get carnage. I think they're setting up for the Green Goblin for the next game. Um, and we'll come to speculation shortly. But there was, there was that moment where you're a bit like, well you know, where's this going? But to be fair, this was quite cool. Um, but I was a bit like, why have we got a second one of these things? Whether I played it in the wrong order and whether there was a specific time where you should have done the Flames missions. Um, with open world games, it's always going to be about when you get round to playing them. So whether it, where I played it was out of context or whether I should have waited for that mission at the end of the game may have been a good idea. Um, I'll have to just do some Googling to see actually when when the recommended time is to play that mission. Um, but yeah, so that was cool. Uh, the one thing I did miss uh, was quite an important event, which made me sit up again, was as part of the, the final section, you have to fight MJ. MJ is taken over by um, by Harry as a, as a symbiote. So he passes his goo on to, Ven uh, to MJ and MJ becomes Scream. And that's a really cool fight. That fight had me had my ass handed to me a few times, but it was a really good fight. It was a lot of fun. And there was a lot going on in that fight that actually made me sit up and go, yeah, this is this is this is cool. So um that was just the, the story spoiler bit that I had actually missed. Um just some speculation. Uh, as I said, I think they're gonna go with Green Goblin next. Whether Silk will get her own spin-off like Mars Morales, that'll be interesting to see. You've now got Mars Morales looking after the city again while Peter's off on holiday. Uh so yeah, there's possibility that you're gonna have teaming up because um, Mars's mum is dating Cindy's dad. 
So Cindy is Silk, um, and that's how that connection comes in. I don't know if at this point in the game, right at the end, if Cindy is already Silk, but yeah, there could be a possibility. Um, and then, you know, it'll be interesting to see if we do get a spin-off game like Miles for someone else, or you might get another Miles game, and that'll be interesting. Uh, same with the Carnage stuff. So you've got quite a few angles that they can go down. You've got Carnage. You've got the follow-up with Yuri, which is the Carnage stuff as well. You've got Doc Ock. You've got Green Goblin. And then you've got the Cindy stuff as well. So there's a lot of stuff that they can do and a lot of angles. And I suspect there'll be a third game, um, at least to finish this kind of series off. But I suspect there's going to be some DLC between now and possibly a standalone game as well. So, yeah, that is my story section of the game i know this podcast has been a little bit all over the place but i do want to mention something there's unlockables throughout this game you can get suits and you can get different colors to the suits there's a plethora of unlockables there's rpg mechanics like uh combat upgrades and gadget upgrades they all help you and aid you through this the the story um i, I missed uh talking about them so i just thought i'd put it on the end here a little bit out of sync but yeah, that's kind of like the story and everything else that goes with it. Well, there you go. That's my discussion on the latest Spider-Man. I gave this an 8.5 out of 10. I think that's a fair criticism or fair review of the game. I think there's improvements over the first game. I think the graphical fidelity and all that kind of stuff, we've got better hardware for it to be playing on. But I think the story itself is a little bit of a letdown. I do honestly think that this is well within its rights to be game of the year um, or game of the year contender. Unfortunately, in the year 2023, it's come out where this year has been absolutely stacked balls to the damn wall of different games uh, left, right and center. It's been an insane year for gaming and Spider-Man is a very good game. Like, don't take my review or the way I've discussed it as a disappointment. The story was good. It just felt a little bit offbeat in places. The traversal is some of the best you're going to find. The open world is incredible, apart from the second island feels a little bit redundant. Overall, I had a great time. I don't normally spend much time bouncing around from different areas and this, that, and the other, but I really enjoyed myself with this game. I mean, I completed it in 11 days. I wrapped up Mars Morales on the 10th of November, and I completed this on the 21st of November. You know, so 11 days of playing it, 30 hours it took me. It was a real joy experience, and I think it deserves to be in that game of the year list. I just don't think it's, I mean, against Baldur's Gate and Tears of the Kingdom, I think there's some strong contenders. So it'll be interesting to see how well it does at this year's Game of the Year, Game Game Awards. Um, but that's it for me today. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I've been going on for a long time today uh, discussing this game. Uh, please do follow me on the social medias down below. Uh, get in touch with the show. Let me know if you've played Spider-Man. Let me know what you think of Spider-Man. Let me know if you don't care about Spider-Man. I'd love to hear from every one of you. All the links in the uh, description of the podcast. You can catch me live. Not live. You can catch my recordings every Wednesday where we will be talking from the shed about games. Thank you very much, guys. See you on the next one. Bye-bye.